Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. And we are the parents of four kids under the age of six. We know that parenting can be tough, but it's also the most important thing we have ever done. Each week, we'll share stories from our family and discuss what we're learning as we parent in real life. And hopefully, we can learn something from each other along the way. So join us once a week as we laugh about the highs and lows of parenting. Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. And today, we want to start with a story, not really a story, just a tidbit from Chloe right now. Chloe's big thing right now is she'll wake up in the morning, and she always, she's like our best kid to get dressed. She'll get dressed and come down and say, Mom or Dad, what are we doing today? And she does that because she's learned, like, whenever she would ask, like, what are we doing? We would just tell her, like, in the future, these are the fun things we're going to be doing. And she doesn't want to know about that. She wants to know what is fun and what is happening today because everything else just isn't soon enough. And that that kind of leads us into what we wanted to talk about today. Today we're talking about an article called Why Kids Struggle Now from an Occupational Therapist. And it's on the website You Rot or possibly Your OT. She talks about... Um, five big things that are affecting kids from an occupational therapist perspective. And I just thought we both read this independently and we're like, oh, we're talking about this. Because <laughs> <We did. laughs> I think we're seeing this a lot and it's going to just get worse and worse. Or, you know, maybe we catch it and do something about it as parents. But I think it's going to become a problem in schools because these kids have all these things going against them now. So anyways, we thought it would be really interesting. Yeah, we're noticing it in our own children and definitely around other kids around us. Kids, our own kids' age, um, youth that we've worked with, we're, this, all of these things are becoming very evident. And so we thought if we talk about it, and hopefully we could make it so our children don't become this way. Yep. So the first thing she talks about is technology. And just a confession, we definitely probably use technology more than we should. Even though we don't just let them go crazy, we definitely set limits, but just feels like no matter what you do, like, it's it's hard. It, you know, they're always wanting to use it, and there's so many times when, you know, you need an outlet for the kids. But what she talks about is how technology is so stimulating that compared to technology, it's really hard. Even the best teacher in the world can't compete with, you know, Disney Junior when it comes to keeping the attention of your kid. Like, you can't compete with Doc McStuffins. She's got songs. She's got, you know, there's talking stuffed animals. And so then you go to kindergarten and your teacher's just like doing story time and just reading a book. It, it's hard for kids. And that, you know, that's true at any age. It's hard to get that same level of interaction in person that you can get with technology. And so it, it's really hurting our kids. So her solution for that is to just limit technology. But I think the other piece of that is helping them reconnect um, with other things emotionally. Um, so certainly there needs to be no screen time. And I, I think that's important no matter what age you are. At this age, it's, you know, for us, it's just like literally taking the screens away from our kids. Once your kid owns a screen, you know, has a phone or whatever, I think it's important to create time that they want to put their phone away. So whether that's like family game night or dinner time. Yep. Something you need to have time where it's nobody, including the parents have screens Mm -hmm. for our kids. They go crazy and have a hard time with it. 
and throw fits. And then finally, you know, their imaginations kick back in and they realize, oh, I can do this. And, you know, it, it usually is like after half an hour of complaining about not having screens, but then they go upstairs and realize they have toys that aren't screens and they have a good time. So, um, I think that's important. Uh, the second thing that she talks about is that kids get everything they want the moment that they want them. And, you know, kids are always asking for things and that could be the simple things like I'm hungry or I'm thirsty, but even more things to I'm bored or I want to use your phone or I want these pair of shoes right now. You know, they're always asking for things and they want mm-hmm. things all the time. And um, so she says, you know, you need to tell your kids no. And I think this is hard for a lot of parents to tell their kids no um, because they want to be able to help their help their kids and give them the kids that they need. And maybe they even feel a little bit guilty about saying no to their kids. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think parents would feel bad saying no? Um, I think just a theory. Mm-hmm. But I think as more and more of us have to have two incomes to support our families, I think you're out of the home so much that when you are in the home, you're like, you know, you. It, I think it makes it harder. I do. I think it makes it harder to say no to your kids when you're spending all day working, earning money, mm-hmm. and then you come home and say, no, we can't afford that or we can't buy that like you know and I don't think anybody's thinking that outright but I do think that that's that's probably playing into that that dynamic where you know back in the farm days they either just couldn't genuinely couldn't afford it or there's just a different dynamic I think between parents and their kids when when one of the parents was was home all day with the kids and and so I think that's part of it and with that so the families who do have one parent at home, maybe they have less money and less resources, their kid is in school with the other kids who come from families who have bigger incomes and can afford more and they're getting more. And so they're always comparing, or why can't I have that? Or I want that now because other kids in their classes are, and their friends have that, you know, it's hard hard to compete with that. And it's hard to tell your child, no, we're not going to have that or no, we're not going to do that even though so-and-so is, you know. And maybe it's not as new a problem as it feels like. Maybe this has been a problem for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it's really easy to compare with the Joneses now because things are so obvious, you know, like you see it on social media, what people have, and kids are really aware of what all their friends have, and, mm-hmm. and so it makes it hard. And with saying no, we also want to say one of um, a woman I really look up, looked up to is um, Marjorie Pay Hinckley. She has since passed away, but, um, she was a wonderful woman, a really good mother and wife. And one of, she has a, uh, biography and one of the things in her biography says that she said yes, um, as much as possible. So I think this was, I mean, you know, she raised her kids before technology. And so I think she was saying yes to playing with your kids and yes, when they want to make messes and saying yes to those things so we shouldn't you know say no to everything that comes up I think we're just using this to say no to giving our kids things that aren't good for them you know playtime is good but maybe those expensive shoes aren't you know or doing crafts are good but getting extra chocolate chips and marshmallows (laughs) for snacks or something you know is not good right 
oftentimes when kids, or at least I'm noticing when they want something, it's interesting to see how much they really want it. And there's kind of some ways to test that. I was listening to a podcast um, not too long ago. Uh, it was Power of Moms podcast. And uh, this was one of their old episodes. And she was talking to the author of a book called The Me, Me, Me Epidemic. And um, something that they talked about was when your kid wants something that maybe is out of you know, your budget or, you know, think that they need it to ask them to contribute in order to get it. So let's say that they want this expensive pair of shoes or a trendy pair of shoes that are more than your budget. So you can say, Hey, you know what? I've got $30 for shoes, but these shoes are 60. You know, let's have you earn those 30 more dollars so you can get the shoes, like help them to be able to get them. And then that way they're working for it. And the, the woman in the podcast, she's like, sometimes my kids were like, oh, never mind, then I don't want it. You know, right. like they didn't right. want to put in the work. It wasn't worth it to them. But if the mom would have just bought it right away, so this happened to me. My daughter um, wanted rain boots, I think because other kids were wearing rain boots in her class. She begged me for weeks, and I kept putting it off. But finally, I'm like, you know what? It rains a lot here in Wisconsin. We can get her some rain boots. So I bought them for her and she tried them on. She loved them. She wore them like once after that. She didn't ever put them on again. And I mean, I did wait to buy them, you know, but then when I just gave them to her, I re after I already purchased them, I realized she didn't really want them as bad as she kept asking me. Right. I think it's harder for the little kids to have them come up with like money, you know, right. but maybe chores or something to put in some extra effort and then you can really see how bad they really want something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The third problem she talks about is what she says, uh, kids rule the world. And she has some good quotes that I just resonate with me. She says, my son doesn't like vegetables. She doesn't like going to bed early. He doesn't like to eat breakfast. She doesn't like toys, but she's very good at her iPad. And those kind of things, they, they drive me a little bit crazy too. Who cares what your kid likes, right? Like, <laughs> You're the parent, and I think this is so important that parents nowadays, I think we feel this pressure to be friends with our kids and to be liked by our kids, and I think that's a relatively new dynamic, you know, not not brand new. There was definitely the, I, just thinking through my friends' parents, there was a few parents that I could tell, like, they really wanted to be, like, the cool parent, and that was, like, their number one priority is being hip. I think our, the generation before that, our grand. And now for a quick break. The heart behind the iMom podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on iMom.com and when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. Yeah. We're not that way. No way. No way. It was very different, like, authority figure versus child um, relationship, where now it's like, yeah... You know, we're buds and we want to be friends. But I think our generation, uh, millennials, are taking that so far where, you know, like, we can't say no to our kids and we have to, like, cater to our kids' wants and their needs. And, you know, like, I think we've just taken it too far. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so what she says is make a schedule for meal time, sleep times, and technology time. Schedules are so good for kids. I mean, that's there's scientific evidence. And I think for a lot of this stuff, do go to evidence. Look up online and or ask a doctor, like, what time should a kid like this go to bed? Or how, you know, what should they be eating? Find out what science says, because I think science knows a lot of this stuff. And if you just leave it to your kid, you're, you're going to get it wrong. Because kids don't, you know, are, we don't naturally want the right thing as kids. And so go to, go to some other source for, for that. Um, and I think it's important to, to know when to be uh, the bad guy as a parent. For example, and this is like an extreme example, but if your kid wants to go to a party that you know is not going to be a good situation for your kid, then obviously you would say no, right? Because you're the parent, you have more experience. Hopefully, all of us would say, nope, that's not something you're going to do. And no matter how your kid fusses and throws a fit and says you, you don't love me, you'd stick to it because you know you're doing the right thing. So... Take that same approach to bedtime and mealtime and everything else. Sometimes your kid's going to throw a fit and say that you don't love them and all that stuff. But sometimes love is making those hard calls. Sometimes we don't love our kid when we let them do all that easy stuff. And only by putting our foot down and saying no and disagreeing with our kid are we really loving them the most. Doing what we is really best for the kid. The fourth thing that she talks about is endless fun, that we've created this artificial fun world for our children. Yeah. And you know, and you see that all the time, like on Pinterest and stuff, where these moms and dads get way and way elaborate in these big, huge birthday parties, or, you know, they take their kids to Disneyland all the time, or, you know, they're doing something fun for summer every single day, you know, and it's <laughs> like, this is constant, like... We have to have fun all the time or their childhood isn't magical or not worth something, you know. And But when we do that, we it, she talks about like how we're not helping our kids learn how to work because they're just having fun all the time. And then that, that's her solution is to teach them how to work. You know, have them do help with the chores and folding laundry and picking up their toys and and that really helps them in the long run with someday, you know, they're going to need a job, whether that's when they're a teenager or in college, you know, someday they're going to need a job and know how to work and, um, and have their own families and work for their families. Uh, when I, I feel like my dad taught me a really good lesson when I was a teenager, um, about working and that it's more than just the physical work. It also helps us mentally and emotionally. Um, I remember I was laying on the couch. I was feeling depressed about something, you know, as a teenager, so it could have been anything. And, um, my dad came in he's like, Hey, why don't you help me come weed the garden? And I was like, no way. <laughs> I don't want to weed the garden. I just want to sit here and mope. And he's like, no, come on. It'll, it'll help you feel better. And I was like, okay. So I went out with him and I helped him weed the garden for a little bit. It just helped me feel so much better um, after that. The physical labor helped me be able to get over that emotional um, depression that I was feeling at that time. I forgot about, you know, what I was so depressed about or it didn't seem so big. It just, it felt better to do that physical work. And if we're depriving that of our, from our children, then they're not going to be able to be emotionally stable. You know, and they're not going to be able to um, be as successful in life if we're not teaching them how to get their hands a little dirty. 
Yeah. My dad was a great example of this, too. My dad's the kind of guy that gets up at 5.30 and is honestly, as best I can tell, seriously busy doing something important until he goes to sleep at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Like, he's just he's just busy all the time doing important stuff, you know, like, not to say he's perfect. I'm sure he could, you know, prioritize things differently and be more effective and, and you know, he would tell you the same thing. But he is busy doing work all day long. And so we learned to work hard in our family. You know, Saturdays were not like a relaxed day. We had chores. We worked hard. I think, honestly, like a lot of us as parents are putting a lot of money and thought into making sure our kids are really smart. You know, like I think all parents nowadays have Ivy League aspirations for their kids. You know, you want your kid to be brilliant and go to the best school and that, you know, that starts in preschool. But I think... I think you can really give your kid a huge advantage by just teaching them how to work really hard. I was doing an internship this summer and I worked with some great interns, but I was amazed at how even, you know, these mid 20 interns that are in graduate programs, how I could outwork them. A lot of them were smarter than me, but I could work harder and stay focused longer than a lot of them. And I, you know, I attribute that a lot to the fact that not that I'm, not that I'm book smart or worked, have worked harder in school than them, but I just know how to put in a long day and, and stay focused on a task, even if the task is boring or painful or what, you know, whatever. I was raised to do that. And so I think, I think that's huge. I think you can give your kid a huge advantage by, by doing that. And if you have little kids like we do, um, so when you're teaching them how to work, she also recommended this to do things that are fun. I mean, turning work into fun, you know? And so one of the things that I've had the hardest time getting my kids to clean up after themselves and they just leave messes and then it's like, okay, it's time to clean up. And they just fight me tooth and nail. And so one day I decided to turn on this dance and freeze song that I found on YouTube and they loved it and they would dance and pick up toys and then they would freeze and they would dance some more and pick up toys and freeze and it was a great way for them to get the job done, but to be able, you know, to have some fun doing it, but still doing the work. Like, I think doing work doesn't mean you have to be miserable the whole time, and you can have some fun with it, but it's important to teach them to clean up and, and do laundry and whatever, you know. Yeah. But also teach your kids to be miserable. <laughs> you know, like, not all the time, but like... Sometimes. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully some of life is miserable for your kids so that they don't like get out to the real world and realize like, oh shoot, it's not all, you know, no, perfect out here. <laughs> it, it can get tough. And I think, you know, teach them that when they're four. Well, yeah. Cause in life, I mean, everyone's going to go through hard times. Right. And so I think the best way to learn how to get out of those is to experience yeah. some hard things as a kid. Right. And we love our kids and give them candy and nice things too like (laughs) we're not we're not awful to our kids but um i do think that we definitely see the value in saying no and we don't you know we've left a kid crying on the floor of the grocery store because they wanted something so bad we went back eventually but (laughs) i was keeping an eye on them but we we do walk walk away away from tantruming children (laughs) because we're not going to give in because they can be miserable for a minute Sometimes, like, Nathan, you'll walk away, and he just stays where he is and (laughs) won't come after you, so I'll have to go back and get him. (laughs) The fifth thing that she talks about is limited social interaction. Between gadgets and just being busy and, you know, like, it's crazy. We, in the neighborhood we were in this summer, 
all of our neighbors had kids, and yet, in the middle of the summer, in the middle of the day, you would never see anybody's kids out. And I think that's just because, you know, with everything going on, we have swim lessons and summer classes and summer school and all these things. So even though these kids are out of school technically, they have some sort of thing they're doing during the day. And so besides like forced structured environments, they don't have a lot of unstructured playtime where they're just interacting socially. And and I think that you know the what she the point she makes is that those unstructured times are really important for teaching skills. And they're not getting that because of all those dynamics. And so she said it becomes our role as parents to teach kids social skills. We need to teach them to take turns and share and what it means to lose and win and, you know, compromising, complimenting others and saying please and thank you. All of those social skills are things they're not going to learn in those structured environments. They're going to learn rules and they're going to learn how to listen and, and follow an authority figure. But once you take all those things away, they, they don't have a lot of experience with that. And that's a lot of life, right? That emotional IQ that you hear about in the workplace so much is like, can you navigate those dynamics? And if they aren't interacting socially outside of class or school, then where are they going to get that? Yeah, we've we've been trying to teach our kids about losing and winning lately. I've found that that's kind of like a hard thing to to really get a good balance because you want them to be, you know, you don't want them to be sore losers. You want them to be good winners, you know, but you don't want everyone to feel bad all the time that there's like this, you know, social pressure that everybody wins, you know, and like right. nobody's sad and, and stuff. So we're like, we're trying to find that balance and it's hard to, to teach your kids that. And so some of these social skills can be a little bit, a little bit difficult to find that good balance, you know, hopefully as we have learning situations and stuff that we can teach them the best way possible. Some of that's just don't protect your kid from those situations, Mm -hmm. you know, put them in soccer, let them lose. (laughs) Don't pretend like losing is winning. Talk about what losing is and why it's okay. And, and also, you know, why we should try and win, you know, like I'm not against that either. Like you want to have some competitive spirit. Yeah. And you want to give them that competitive edge, but also be able to take it when they, they lose, you know? So it's something all of us have to learn or hopefully, (laughs) hopefully learn. Mm -hmm. Um, don't try and shield that from them as kids. Not everybody needs a trophy. (laughs) So essentially, if you want to ask an occupational therapist, the five things we can do to help our kids is we need to help them reconnect emotionally because technology is trying to to rob them of emotional connection. We need to teach them to wait and that it's okay to let your kid be bored. And uh, the third thing is don't be afraid of saying no and giving them limits to be the parent. Also, teach them to work hard. Teach them to, to sweat a little bit and that sometimes we have to do monotonous stuff. And finally, teach them social skills because the world we're putting them into isn't really teaching them that stuff. And so give them opportunities to learn social skills. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed our thoughts and that you, we'd love to hear any comments that you have about this topic. And we hope that you'll join us again next week. That's right. 
You can subscribe to our podcast. We hope that you already are subscribed, but definitely subscribe. And while you're there, give us a rating. Uh, you can also email us at parentinginreallifepodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on social media. I'm on Instagram as learnasweco or online as learnasweco.org. And as always, a special thanks to our four kids for being kids. <laughs> <laughs> so